Welcome to the audio newsletter for the Northwestern Program in Sound Arts and Industries. I'm Brad West. Brendan Baker is a very familiar name to Sound Arts and Industries. In fact, you're listening to his music at this very moment, because Brendan wrote our theme song. He's also one of the most accomplished producers and sound designers working in the podcast community today. His work has ventured from music composition, to audio documentary, to audio fiction, often blending elements of all three to create a truly engaging piece for the listener. He was most recently the director of Marvel's audio dramas Wolverine The Long Night and Wolverine The Lost Trail, and was previously a producer on the podcast Love and Radio, which was the first podcast to win the Third Coast International Audio Festival's award for best documentary. Listen as Brendan talks about his career, using music and experimentation in audio storytelling, and having fun with sound. Playing with the craft has been like the huge motivation throughout my career. Like whether that's in documentary or whether that's in fiction, um, that's the thing that kind of like gets me excited and gets me up in the morning. I have a really early memory. I had one of these like Fisher Price tape recorders, the, the, the children's tape recorders. I don't know why I did this, but I, I decided one day I was just gonna like take it apart and see like how it worked and actually opening up the back of it and seeing all the components on the inside and I never figured out how to put it back together. Maybe something about this idea of picking things apart and at least attempting to put them back together is something that, that I try to do in my work. As Brendan became more interested in music composition, he encountered the work of minimalist Steve Reich. He had a couple pieces. One was called Different Trains. He had these interviews. One set of interviews is with people who survived the Holocaust and are talking about being on trains in Europe going to concentration camps. And then the other set of interviews is like around the same time, people traveling from New York to Chicago and kind of juxtaposing those two interviews and those two experiences. Um, that was a piece of music, right? But I was like, that's a radio story. And like, why? I don't hear stuff like that on the radio. I'm really into this idea of trying to take music and make it more like radio and take radio and make it more like music and try to find some weird hybrid space. Looking for places to let him experiment with sound, Brendan was connected through a mutual friend to Nick Vanderkolk, the producer of the podcast Love and Radio. A show that really experimented with sound for the sake of sound and was playing with form and structure. Eventually, Nick and I started talking about what would a collaboration look like. He gave me this recording that he made of a guy who ran a strip club out of his living room. He was like, I don't really know, you know what the story is here. I don't really know how this is going to sound. My thought is maybe you could just kind of take the tape and start cutting it up and making it into something a little bit more musical. And we made something weird that I thought was interesting. And, and Nick ended up submitting it to the Third Coast Festival, ended up winning the competition that year. So we were like, oh, we're doing something that people are responding to. Let's keep doing it and see where it goes. What, so what are they for? What do they say? Jay Thunderbolt, congratulations for Young America and you doing so well for the young. What, what is that? What's that all about? So I want, how, I'll tell you what that? I used to do, man. I was trying to think about making radio as music. I On my Facebook page, actually, I think this is sort of snobby, but I think I wrote that I'm a narrative composer. <laughs> Let me, I'll, I'll tell you what. Why don't I have Noah go grab us some beers? 
I'm not drinking beer. I drink tequila. Okay. Uh, but the idea that I'm telling stories in sound and then thinking about how they work from both a sound design and a musical perspective. So I, I do think it's like composing narratives and using all the different parts of sound as, in support of that story. I, I look back at some of the earlier pieces like The Wisdom of Jay Thunderbolt or um, Jack and Ellen as among our more experimental works. The intention was more to just try to make something that was different and make something that was, you know, didn't quite fit the mold of, of what public radio was offering. <laughs> After 10 minutes of posting the ad, I had about 50 messages. I don't really check my emails anymore because I have so many of them. But I quickly realized I wouldn't be able to acquire the kind of information that I needed. There's a little bit of a like punkish attitude, just sort of like, you know, we're going to do it because we think it sounds cool or, you know. Love and Radio specializes in stories with characters who are morally complicated, usually. When you compare those stories to other things that you hear on public radio, like they are a bit more transgressive. Radio shouldn't be didactic. It shouldn't be holding your hand through every moment. Radio should be challenging you and you should be drawing your own conclusions as the audience based on what you're hearing. And like, let's make it something that's a little bit weirder. It's easy to have a fake Facebook account, but it's not easy to make a fake Facebook account look real. How I decide whether or not music or sound design is serving the story or not has to do mostly with um, the kinds of images that I'm seeing in my head when I'm listening back. I kind of imagine it like there's a person telling their story in profile, like as a talking head, and there's this like moving green screen behind them. Or like, do you know what a cranky is? That's one of these old, like, old puppetry storytelling things it's a scroll and they actually crank them like it's a physical drawing moving across the screen and it's telling a story i sort of picture that like uh and that the, the sound design and the music are kind of the scrolling image behind the person um, and sometimes you'll see the person in front of you telling their story straight to the microphone and other times you'll see the person as part of that backdrop and that's a scene um that's what's happening in my head, at least. <laughs> but it's weird, right? Because like, there's no, there's no. Uh, how do you talk about sound? You know, it's like it's a thing that you experience, and yet it's it has this ephemerality to it. Like, sound only exists in motion. It only exists in time. It's a time-based medium. Um, you can't freeze sound and understand what's happening. You know, like like you can with an image. Sound only happens as a part of a process. Um, and this is just like the, my shorthand for trying to translate that process into something that is a little bit more, it feels more tangible to me somehow. The episode, The Living Room, won the Director's Choice Award at the 2015 Third Coast International Audio Festival. We had been working on this piece, a different piece, for the last several months. We had to kill it at the last minute because of some concerns that we had about the safety of one of the people in the piece. We were on Radiotopia at that point, so making sure that we produced episodes was really important because if you don't produce an episode, you don't get your ad revenue, and that's what keeps the lights on. And I don't know, am I supposed to have maybe respected their privacy and just looked away 
but it's impossible because that's the way the chairs face. <laughs> they face the window. I couldn't, I couldn't not see them if I wanted to. But I guess I could have not gotten the binoculars. There's not a lot of sound design in that piece, in part because there wasn't enough time to do sound design, but also like we, it didn't need sound design to make it what it was. And I think that that's like a, a lesson that I've taken f since then is like trying to make sure that the sound design that I use is something that is serving the story and not just like icing on the cake or, or you know, additive. It has to be like baked into the, um, the ingredients of, of the piece. In April 2017, Brendan was approached by internet radio company Stitcher for a new audio fiction podcast, Marvel's Wolverine The Long Night. They were looking for a director with an awareness of sound design and invited Brendan to submit a pitch for what his vision of the show would be like. Things that I emphasized in this pitch were like how I wanted to really feel like I was there in the room with characters. I wanted it to feel very real. I wanted the actors to be able to, you know, start and stop and stutter and to sort of like what I'm doing right now, where I'm like thinking of what I'm saying, like they should, you should be able to hear hear them making up words as they're thinking, um, you should be able to really feel immersed as if you're like a fly on the wall in that scene. We're not allowed to use clips from Wolverine the Long Night. Um, and at the same time, I had been looking for an excuse to experiment with this way of recording called ambisonics, which is a multi-channel, four-channel way of recording three-dimensional sound, sound in all X, X, Y, and Z, all dimensions. So what this ambisonic technology allows us to do is to record a scene and then after the fact, in post-production, decide what to focus on. You have to spatialize the sounds. You have to sort of think about this is where the character is, you know, within a three-dimensional field and then make sure that if they've pulled out a knife or something that that sound is coming from that character. I can start out in a binaural space, like a surround sound space, and then I can use the shotgun mic effect to sort of focus in on someone's voice. And so what happens in, in the series is the conceit of the story is that there are these two federal investigators who show up in this small seaside town in Alaska, Burns, Alaska, a fictional town. And there have been a series of murders. And then over the course of uh, the first episode, you start to realize that one of the main suspects is this loner, this guy, Logan. And so as people are telling their stories about things that they've seen Logan do, we move out of this ambisonic, three-dimensional, binaural space, and we start to focus on the, the interviewee's voice, almost more like radio. And then there's this transition that happens between being in the room with the person telling their story and then like being in that person's mind and experiencing the memories that, that they're remembering. It was a way of using this technology for us as a storytelling effect uh, to really play with the texture of sound and also play with the form of storytelling at the same time. Uh, honestly, I didn't know if it was going to work, but I think it worked okay. Brendan used a mixture of recording in the studio and outdoors on location. Although recording outdoors gives a more natural feel, you lose an element of control to the world around you. Oftentimes, a recording can be going well only to be disturbed by an unplanned sound at the very last moment. It can be difficult to listen to music when 
you're outside is, is something, the air actually diffuses the sound in a way where, particularly if characters are at a far distance, they just, they sound like they're outside at a distance. And it's hard to synthesize that in, in, the, in the studio. And so we went up to the summer camp about an hour north of New York City and did our, our best to sort of fake what it would feel like being out in the woods, uh, you know, as much as is possible within an hour of New York City. And, uh, um, you know, ran into all the challenges that you might expect of like airplanes flying overhead. The thing about these ambisonic mics is because they pick up sound in all directions, you can't hide things very well either. So we had specifically scouted this location because we thought that there wouldn't be a lot of plane traffic. We went there and it was quiet. And then about halfway through the day, um, after a really, really great morning of recording, the air traffic pattern shifted and all of a sudden it was like every 30 seconds. And so it was that way, like until the end of the day, just trying to record in these little gaps of silence. And um, we were able to edit most of them out, but uh, it was hard. The real sort of special next level work happens when you're trying to think about what about this story works particularly well for the ear? What are the concepts from a sound perspective that I want to play with? And, and, and how am I going to use this medium? How am I going to use sound as a way of getting inside this story and helping show what's happening to these people rather than just having to do the sort of expository telling of like, this is what this character is feeling or having the character themselves say, you know, announce that they're feeling a certain way. Brendan's description makes us feel validated. When it comes to visual description, like how can we avoid um, sort of this visual pointing at things and saying like, oh, look at that grove of trees over there. Instead, using a combination of um, sound design to give the sound of the trees and then maybe the character says something that doesn't directly, you know, announce the forest, but just sort of, you know, oh, it's cold here. You know, it's something like that, that, that where you're getting the description in this more tangential way trying to find ways of uh, creating audio scenes that feel native to audio. And I think when it works well, you never notice it. There's so much room for growth right now in audio fiction. There are so many different ways of using sound to give someone an experience. So when it comes to Wolverine the Long Night, one of the things that we could do uniquely was this transitioning between past and present, sort of going from a objective perspective, that is characters in a scene as if they're on a stage or in front of a camera, and then this more subjective experience of going into that person's mind and, and living their memories. As we see more people experimenting with audio fiction, we're going to see more things like that, people experimenting with different ways of using sound to convey different experiences. And it won't be just replicating what we hear on the radio or what we hear in other podcasts, but there'll be like legitimately new ways of thinking about story through sound. Brendan's name appears in the credits of each of the episodes for our program podcast. We asked him about composing our theme. I, I did it because I was excited about what you guys were building here. I mean, this is a cool program where... It, my understanding is that it's a multidisciplinary approach to sound studies and looking at engineering and history and aesthetics and all of these things. And that's like, I don't know anywhere else that has that. And so if I can contribute in this way, I was happy to do it. It's fun, fun to talk about it.
Wolverine The Long Night is currently available through the podcast app of your choice. Its second season, Wolverine The Lost Trail, will be available through Stitcher March 25th, 2019, with a wide release across podcast platforms later in the year. You can learn more about Brendan through www.drivebyhigh5.net. And you can learn more about our program through sound.northwestern.edu or by emailing sound at northwestern.edu. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening to the audio newsletter of Northwestern University's MA program in Sound Arts and Industries. Today's episode, Sound at Play, was produced by Brad West and featured an interview with Brendan Baker. Our show also featured music by Brendan Baker. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching Northwestern Sound to learn about how sound works at Northwestern. Thank you.